who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, everybody! Hello. Oh, oh, hi. Hi. Jenny made me retape the introduction because I was too happy. She was like, that was far too much joy to be filling. Just kidding. That's not what you said. I was like, hey, everybody. And you were like, oh, let me screech up in my clown car and jump out of it and honk your nose and squeak a friggin thing that sprays water in your face and love do a couple honk. cartwheels and look at my penguins. They go in a pyramid. Wow. Love to honk. Love to pyramid with penguins. Delightful things. <laughs> uh, hey, we are having a blast in season six, as you all know. Journeying, dancing around, partying. Uh, we do have some really fucking cool shit happening in the land of Patreon that we want to tell you about. First up, Jennifer Owen Youngs. And Hello. Morgan Ludich, uh, yes, nem- nemesis of the pod and beloved. Hey, what? Well, Talking about I, my Morgan like that, following the bit. Uh, Jenny and Morgan <laughs> are going to be watching Legally Blonde together on April fifteenth. Um, Jenny, is this like the second, the third, the seventh time you've seen this movie, or this will be my very first time? I'm always looking Gasp. to expand my horizons of petite blonde protagonists. <laughs> So I'm ready I mean, to venture into the courtroom. One of the most important petite blonde protagonists here in Legally yes. Blonde. So Jenny's going to be watching this movie for the first time. This is part of a new movie watch club that we have that is open to all of the patrons of Buffering and of Angel on Top. You come on into the Slack. We hit play together and we chat while we watch a movie. It's really fun. And then patrons of Angel on Top get bonus podcast episodes. So you've gotten one from me and Morgan. We watched Down with Love together and talked about it. And Jenny and Morgan will be talking about Legally Blonde and all of Jenny's feelings. And I'm sure some of Morgan's as well. So Mm. learn about that on our Patreon. Join for the bonus podcasts over at angelontop.com. Jenny, you're busy this week in April because uh, just a couple days later, April 17th, you are playing a concert of buffering songs. That's right. I'll be all like, objection, your honor. (laughs) 
sustained, <laughs> etc. So, I'm sure. Um, listen, that concert is open to all patrons. You can learn about all the events that we have going on and become a patron if you're not already at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. It truly is so busy in the land of Patreon. So I'm just going to run down a few other things happening in April. Joanna and I are back with our bonus podcast. Feels like the first time Joanna and I are watching and discussing a trio of movies this month, which include, Jenny, you're going to be excited about this trio. Yes. (gasps) Army of Darkness. Wow. Followed by The Covenant. Have you heard of it? Somebody just told me to watch it. (laughs) Uh, Joanna has referred to The Covenant as Abercrombie and Witch. So I am (laughs) fucking into it. Hell yeah. The third movie is Tremors. Uh, I have not seen any. Yeah. It's good shit, right? A mystery sandwich on classics bread. Exactly. Exactly. But I... It's mystery sandwich on mystery bread for me because I've seen none of mm. these films, which is the premise of that bonus podcast. Oh, uh, my frigging God. We are also reading Darcy Little Badger's A Lots Away in our book club. That's for $5 patrons. And last week, our $10 patrons got the first of many, many behind the scenes videos of us writing Once More with Once More with Feeling. And you know what? Like, why not? I'm on a tear, so I might as well tell you that the Ultimate patrons got their first bundle of exclusive merch for the year, and it included Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy Socks. So, like, whatever. It's a fucking good time in the land of Patreon. I'm not going to lie. I have a question. First of all, where are my Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy Socks? And second of all, are they in the package that you sent me that I haven't opened yet? Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. It's all coming together. They're literally in the package that you told me you got a week ago. They're about six feet away from me right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's two pairs of fucking (laughs) Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy Socks in there for you. Well, <laughs> be that as it may, the time has come for you to, to take stop your socks off. Telling us about <laughs> Patreon. Yes, socks off. First, the boots come off mm-hmm. nice and slow. Then the socks come <laughs> off at whatever speed you please, because it's time for the results of last episode's Sexual Tension Awards. Come on. We know who won. This is smashed, people. So. The fact that anybody else got votes at all is kind of impressive. Um, but maybe it's just because Spike is in every single coupling and throupling. Uh, in last place with a paltry 4% of the vote, it's Spike and human blood. Mm. That's fair. They've got something special, but, you know, not in this lineup. I am concerned about Spike and Warren getting a little bit more, getting 6% of the vote and putting them in third place. Uh, In second place, it's Buffy and Spike with 12. This is the worst Buffy and Spike as a combo has ever done, right? Yes. Second place, 12% of the vote. Yes. But it had to be this way. It could only be this way. Get out your sledgehammers. Mm, Nay. Put away your sledgehammers. Yeah, you don't need them. Put away your table saws. Mm-hmm. Put away your tools of demolition. Mm-hmm. All you need is safety goggles because it's Buffy and Spike and that poor sweet house that never <laughs> saw what was coming. 
With 78% of the vote, the walls came tumbling down. They did. Uh, Jenny, two things. First of all, Spike and Warren technically also includes human blood, which is why I think that they got 2% more, because you kind of get two (laughs) for the price of one. Uh 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 And two, I will say that every vote, I usually get at least a handful of people who are like, oh, no, there was a bump on the bus that I was riding, and I voted for the wrong thing. (laughs) So... (laughs) You know, so that could that could explain a lot. <laughs> it could account for the four uh, percent or the six percent mm-hmm. or anything there. So, yes, Buffy and Spike and the walls, three trophies issued to you. Really? I mean, I don't know how many of the walls get the trophy, but we'll we'll there we'll are do some no math. more walls. <laughs> you can't. There's no address to which you can send the trophy because it is just an empty lot now. Anyway, um, hey, there are things that you can purchase in our store. The crop tops are back in stock. They're in a different color because the mustard color doesn't exist anymore. So if you got a mustard crop, good on you. Uh, I got one too. We're we're the lucky few. Uh, but there's some really cute crop tops, tanks. Uh, mugs are on pre-order. They're back. Zip hoodies are on pre-order. They're back. And hey, everything except for our Once More with Once More with Feeling Vinyl is on a pretty massive sale through the end of the day today. So if you listen to this podcast when it releases, lucky you, uh, you just have to use the code RATAMY and you will get 20% off of anything in the US or the UK stores, again, except for that Once More with Once More with Feeling Vinyl through Midnight Pacific today. March 31st, 2021. If you're one of our ultimate patrons, you always get 20% off. So guess what? For this sale, you get 30% off. I've written bada bing in my notes. I don't know why. My sister just started watching The Sopranos, (laughs) so I guess that's why. (laughs) Listen, bada bing is not something you can just read off a page. It can't come from copy. It has to come from the heart. Talk to this Italian about proper usage of bada bing, Jennifer Youngs. Uh, I have two words for you. (laughs) Gaba, ghoul. (laughs) And dear listeners, please be advised. This episode contains conversations on themes of addiction and substance misuse. All right, Jenny, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> oh. Hello and welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast, a fun, carefree, footloose podcast (laughs) where we are watching and discussing every low-impact, high-fun episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one by one, spoiler-free, in tandem with Angel on top. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. Ah, yes, and I'm Kristen Russo. Kevin Bacon is just dancing his way right through these episodes. Just footloose, Uh fancy-free, no heavy plots Uh to delve into. Not at all. This week, we're talking about the hilarious episode, season six, Episode 10, Wrecked. Uh, stay A tuned. real gut buster. Yeah, yeah. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode we are reluctantly discussing. Wrecked was written by Marty Noxon, directed by David Solomon, and originally aired on November 27th, 2001. 
Just five days after I had reached the tender milestone of the age of 20. <laughs> just a few, not to be, not to brag, but just a few days before I was about to turn 21 uh, and have my first sip of alcohol. <laughs> Congrats on your very first sip. Yeah, big day. It was a big day. Uh, hey, according to TV Guide, according to the short, thick TV Guide, this nice. is the one where Buffy's tryst with Spike... That's one way of putting it. Leaves the Slayer mm. shaken to the core. Willow falls victim to a warlock who stimulates her craving for magic. All right. Ugh. Sure, TV guide. That, whatever you say. Uh, not how I would personally put this. Um, a little behind the curtain here. Jenny and I usually uh, have like a little gathering about what we'll do for the Sexual Tension Awards. We usually have four ready before we start taping. We've got two and they're a stretch. So good luck to us. Hopefully we'll find some. Hopefully we'll find something to do. You know, Jenny, nothing, nothing decrees that we have to pick four. You know what I mean? So if we only have two, we only have two. It's not a very sexy episode. Uh, They very thoughtfully kick us off in the previouslys, though, with. Uh, recounting a remembrance of what two very powerful witches think is really cool to do at the bronze. <laughs> yeah, I actually was like, "Ooh, we really focused a lot on the sheep, but there was a strawberry." Did you? <laughs> it's just like, a... oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not like a, it's not like a, you know, wow, they turned that man into a strawberry. It's just they put him in a costume of a strawberry. So yeah. Um, you came back wrong. We get, you know, just a little note about the painful things that Spike and Buffy have been saying to each other over the course of the last few episodes. Uh, we get a little shut up, Tara. Forget we were ever in a fight, Tara, to let us know that there are uh, really just a dwindling amount of healthy relationships happening here in the town of Sunnydale. Was really excited that we got the hilarious rat. I'm, uh, I was a rat you dead quote like they knew that that was so funny that they put it in the previously on um jenny we start the episode this was usually the information that i find is intentional Uh, you know like i will look up like what band was playing at the bronze or i will look up whatever this was unintentional this scene opens and it's a cartoon is playing on the television and when i was looking for something else i found out the name of this cartoon do you know what it is i don't the name of this cartoon is Ding Dog Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's a Looney Tunes cartoon from 1942. Uh, I will read you the description. A dumb mutt falls in love with the metal statue of a greyhound. Ding We've Dog been there. Daddy. <laughs> We've all been there. Hey, relatable content. <laughs> so... I could have gone my whole life without hearing about the mother of all night wedgies. That would have been fine. I could have survived happily so. Yeah, yeah. I could have gone without it as well. But it is very, I mean, you know, there's a few things that happen in this episode that I feel like, like Dawn is just, I know people have feelings about Dawn. I know people are like, oh, Dawn is this, Dawn is that. You all know that I'm a fan of Dawn. And this episode in many ways has made me feel like Donna's just getting like a very specific personality at this point. You know, I'm like, I'm here for it. I'm into it. Her waking up and being just like the 15 year old who's like, what? Wicked wedgie is just like such a part of Dawn. <laughs> so it has to be there because this is who she is. 
Is she just going to be 15 forever or are we going to observe a birthday for her at some point? I don't know. This is a spoiler-free podcast, Jenny, so. Okay. <laughs> There's no way to know. There's really no way to know if she'll ever grow up. Mm. Uh, Tara, so Tara, and I point this out because Tara wakes up and she's like just so confused about where she is. And I, I love Amber Benson. I think she's fucking phenomenal. Great. Good work. So much good work. This is not one of those moments for Amber Benson. And it, it really hit home because Buffy wakes up in the next scene, really like sort of like disoriented and confused about where she is. And I'm like, okay, so that's how you do that. Tara is so much more confused than she should be. Like if she's confused for like four extra beats of like how did yeah, I wind up on this If you're, if you're waking up on a couch that you've actually spent a lot of time on in your <laughs> life, you shouldn't be this alarmed. You right. shouldn't be more alarmed than the person waking up in a pile of of rubble that they just created with their fucking exactly exactly um so this scene is here to point out that no one has come home because they've quote lost track of time uh, <laughs> <laughs> cut to the spuffy demo job <laughs> i now call this uh location in my notes hgtv so <laughs> hell yeah yeah you know that thing where television shows kill the golden goose no do you know, you're not done watching Twin Peaks yet, but do you know who killed Laura Palmer? I think I do. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Friends is like 14 seasons long or something. Sure, sure. Uh, and how soon do Ross and Rachel get together? I think season one or two. Oh my God. And then aren't you just so bored? Yeah, because it already happened. It's like, ugh, okay, but well now what do I have to look forward to? Oh, so killing the golden goose is basically giving up the goods. Giving up the goods. Giving up the You're goods. You're surrendering, so- I guess, your power as the show. You're right. <laughs> right. Okay. Your mystery. So that's what that's what Buffy and Spike have done. They've killed the golden goose. Yeah. I mean, I think like tension has been building steadily for a long time. And then observing Spike's behavior post-coital Spike is like, yeah. suddenly I find myself on Buffy's side. I'm like, oh, this is disgusting. Ew. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they're both they're both being pretty fucking shitty to each other. I, I like oh totally. You know, yes, I agree. Spike is a fucking. I mean, Spike really takes it. At first, it's sort of like a jab, a jab, a jab, a jab. She's disgusted. I'm disgusted, Jenny, that she has put this skirt back on her body because I don't know a lot about sex, but I'm gonna guess <laughs> that skirt is really not something you want to put back on. I understand it's her only option, but I'm having a difficult time with it. Uh, and in the at the start of this, I mean, you know, she's saying shitty things that this was a freak show. He's being a jerk. But it really kind of gets to the place of, oh, wow, Spike, when he's like, I knew the only thing better than killing a Slayer would be fuh. And then she, like, punches him in the face or whatever. We all collectively do. Because why? Why? Well, we know why. Because Spike is a fucking monster. Yeah. And even before he is monstrous, he's just kind of, like, smarmy and, like, puffed up with his own sense of self-satisfaction, which is just, like, not a good look. It's not. It's not a good look. And this is, like, I'm probably going to get in trouble for even, like, having a conversation about this, but I'm going to try it anyway. I feel like Spike had up until this point Buffy was like you are disgusting you are a freak show she's still saying that but like he has this thing to hold on to which is the intimacy that they shared and we're led to believe that it like 
that this wasn't just fucking. Like, I mean, we can't know. We weren't there. The wall fell down and the cameras turned off. We saw enough, Kristen. We saw, I mean, I'm not asking to see more, but I, I, like, the way that I think that this is presented is that in the intimacy of them fucking, Spike recognized that there was something there for Buffy. Even if it isn't what is there for him, for like that even if it isn't mirroring the feelings he has toward her that like he recognized that she desires him and mm-hmm. and like that confirmation of that desire is giving him this bravado which i agree is not i don't want to see it either but i do like i i think i i do at least understand the root of it uh if buffy i think if they had had an open communication about the complexity of their feelings before this i don't know that it would have been such a hard shift but They've been kind of fucked up in their communication from the jump. There are, as far as I can tell, three good things about this scene. One is that you can see James's modesty panties at one point, (laughs) which are a hoot. Uh Uh, One is that he says, I may be dirt, but you're the one who likes to roll in it. (laughs) Everything else that's going on aside here, sick burn. Uh, And... Then when he holds up her panties and says, uh, "Were you, did you want these? And she punches him in the face. Yeah. Appropriate. I know we know this is problematic. I know we know we're going to be looking into it, Jenny. But I also thought that it was additionally, especially confusing to see their dynamics in this scene where Buffy's like, don't touch me. And then she's like, but do touch me. And you know what I mean? Like they're putting some things on the table that are letting us know that uh, words and actions are not matching. And I think that this is a very complicated space. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, we're not going to we're not going to dive into that pool right now, but it's there. It's on the table. I'm putting all the things on a special table in my office (laughs) for later examination. Okay. You keep your table. I'm headed to the stove. I'm making some pancakes. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Have you ever talked about your uh, incredible ability to make pancakes on this podcast? I don't think I've talked about pancakes on this podcast. I like making pancakes. Uh, I don't think that I'm uh, incredible at it, but it is something I enjoy. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Uh, Jenny, when Jenny makes pancakes, she makes a test pancake first, which I think just like elevates your seriousness about pancakes you know that like there there's a test pancake there's no test pancake in this kitchen well yeah and if there had been well things could have gone differently but we'll never know will we i think it's weird that tara and don are not especially tara is not like more stressed out yeah about the fact that nobody's there I get that, like, maybe she's trying to, like, be calm for Don, but it's weird that they're, like, not even calling anyone. Yeah, especially because, I mean, I don't remember this ever happening before, and it seems like they also don't ever remember this happening before. There there should be, like, a reason that maybe people wouldn't come home at night, but they always have. So I agree. Um, you would mm-hmm. think that at least Dawn would be more concerned than she's letting on to being. Uh, in walks Amy with Willow. And uh, Tara, notably flustered, notably (laughs) uncomfortable, notably definitely thinks Willow is banging Amy. Uh, And Correct. 
Willow immediately is like, no, Amy the rat. And I'm like, I'm not sure that that really helps your cat. Like, I don't think that her formerly being a rat uh, nulls and voids you possibly making out with her. But sure, sure, sure. But maybe there's a sense of security uh, that she assumes. Yes. Tara will get from that. Oh, it's someone we know. It's our friend. We've right, right. never it's our pal, seen her Amy like the this rat. before. Also, Jenny, did you realize that Amy rats Willow out? <laughs> Boo! <laughs> For her use of magic, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to make the bad joke. I just wrote down Amy the rat, and then my next note was like Amy's telling on Willow, and I was like, hold on a second. Anyway, oh my God, Amy's like, man, you should have seen her. She was great. She was doing magic. She took this guy's mouth off his face. And Tara and Dawn are like increasingly backing up against the the cabinet tree. Uh, and Amy realizes Amy's all of us in the pandemic. Amy's like, I'm so sorry. I'm talking so much. It's just been me in a bag of pellets for two years. <laughs> I think uh, Elizabeth Ann Allen is doing a great job yes. of bringing a lot of ratness to the role mm-hmm. now. It's super jittery she's great she's amazing i think that she's phenomenal we if you are like newer to the podcast and you haven't listened to um the interviews that we've done just fyi we got uh two two bells have rung in this episode because we have interviewed both elizabeth ann allen and jeff cober who plays rack so you can go back and listen to those conversations but uh elizabeth ann allen is fantastic since you've brought up how you respect her in this episode i would like to talk to you about how i feel about elizabeth ann allen permissible hit it so in the angel verse we've just met a character named justine uh justine (laughs) i'm sorry but justine is played by laurel holloman the actress who also plays tina on the l word I do not like the character of Tina. I do not like the character of Justine. I said it in my little corner in the episode that you heard last week in Angel. I said it very briefly, and I'm not going to go into it here because I'm not here to, like, rain on anybody's parade. But I will say that Elizabeth... <laughs> for, all the, for all the Justine slash Tina stands <laughs> out there. I don't want anybody <laughs> getting mad at me. I just want you to know how I feel. Don't like it. I realized in this episode that Elizabeth Ann Allen should have played Tina on the L word. She would have been a fucking great Tina. That is that is the thing I'm putting down for you to pick up. What do you think? I would watch that. I would check that out to see what's going on. Yeah. Also, think- what do you think about Justine, <laughs> Tina? Uh, my uh, Tina could be a nickname for someone named Justine, it seems like. <laughs> is it possible in the continuity that there's actually... Uh, some overlap between the Buffy verse and the L word verse. L word verse. I could see it. I could see it. Justina. This was 2001, and the L word came out what 2003. So, like in the L word, Tina was like fucking some dude before she met Bet. But maybe, she, maybe that was like maybe it her, was Holtz all maybe along. Maybe it was Holtz. Right, right. Maybe it was Holtz the whole time, uh, and to escape from the hell dimension of. That Los Angeles, she took the moniker Tina. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's still living in L.A. She's just in a different she part. Just, she just went a few blocks over. Cool. <laughs> so Tara, disturbed by this information that Amy can't help but share, uh, sweeps out of the, the house. And mm-hmm. Willow's like desperately flailing. Oh, what about 
the box of your stuff that you should stay right now and take. Please don't go. But Terrence says, no! I have my I have plenty of rainbow trout dresses at my new abode. I don't need the ones I left here. I'm not in a rush. And she flees. Uh, yes, Tara is off. Uh, the box of her things notably labeled Tara upstairs, which made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> like as though Willow has like many boxes of things for various people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Buffy arrives home. Um, she's real beat up uh, to the to Yeah, the she eye. had like an all-night fight. Fight. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone goes to sleep at like 9, 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. or whatever time it is, yeah. leaving Dawn alone again. And, and hey, I think it's worth noting that um, as the pods, as the resident pod pancake expert, I just want to call some bullshit on... Oh, my pancake is burning. You can tell because the side that's up is burned. <laughs> yeah. That's Tara not how that pancakes she worked. <laughs> no, no. She did a, the old sweep and flip. Uh, no, that didn't happen. This is bullshit. Yeah. So Willow's upstairs. We learn that to, to your point, actually, last episode, Jenny, you were wondering about if Amy had sort of gathered magic in her rat body, like like if it had accumulated. We don't have a clear answer, but this does give us the sense that you can deplete your magic by overusing it because Willem now is in bed and she's trying to close the curtains and she can't. I mean, she can. She just has to stand up and walk over to them and close them with her hands. I'm sure you might have something to say about the depletion of magic, but before we get there, I just want to also say that there's still fucking masks on the goddamn walls of this house. Pat fucking died because of these masks and they are just still up in former Joyce's room. Joyce. Well, I guess Joyce is no longer it's responsible. Yeah, it's still Joyce's fault. It's Willow and Tara's fault. Y'all. Take the masks down. <sighs> okay. Research at the magic box for a diamond thief demon going absolutely nowhere. <laughs> and Anya knows it. That's why she has chosen to stuff a bridal magazine. Classic. Classic move. Stuff a bridal magazine inside of one of the research tomes. <laughs> uh, Jenny. Anya has a new hair color. Anya is it's blonde. blonde. Anya is blonde. Yeah. Also, you breezed right by Xander being like, all these demons are starting to look alike. Reptiles, reptiles with gills. Because I wrote down, Jenny will know if reptiles can have gills. Can reptiles have gills? Fish have gills. We all know it. Uh, but reptiles have lungs for breathing. Amphibians, actually, it's interesting because... Uh, some amphibians breathe with their lungs. Some amphibians breathe through their skin. Right. That sounds familiar. Tadpoles and some aquatic amphibians mm. also have, have gills that right. they use for breathing. So, so, so But reptiles? no lizards. No lizard gills. So repti uh, uh, reptiles. Reptiles have lungs, and that, that means they, they, they resolutely do not have gills. You can't have, Her a, you can't have gills and lungs at the same I time. I can't wait for the... Avalanche of emails <laughs> that you will receive. But the amount we're going to know uh, about biology by the time we're done with this podcast, you know, we've learned so much about clams. Uh, I know we've done some like shark whale conversations. Yeah. So yeah. bring it on. 
Hey, um, let's talk about one of my favorite moments in the episode. I'm going to play a little sound clip. Anya has a theory. She thinks that Martha Stewart froze that guy. Don't be ridiculous. Martha Stewart isn't a demon. She's a witch. Please, she can... Really? Of course. Nobody could do that much decoupage without calling on the powers of darkness. Um, I love this. Do you know what decoupage is, Jenny? No. Could, do you want to take a guess? I'm picturing some kind of like paper mache textured mm-hmm. wall business that nobody asked for. Wall How did business. I do? So you so like like this is happening on a wall, like instead of wallpaper. Yeah, like to make your wall feel like a a cave, cave? Like a textured cave. <laughs> Jenny, Jenny's idea of decoupage <laughs> is like you at age 12 using paper mache to make your bedroom like a small cave for your reptiles. Yeah, or like Eugene Tombs in the X-Files just rising every, <laughs> uh, you know, 60 years or whatever to eat four human livers and then building a nest of newspaper and his own bile for the hibernation period to follow. Wow. That took a... Is that decoupage? That took a turn down Jenny Stewart harder than I thought we were going to. Uh, you know, you're not that far off, really. It's. It, I don't know that people use decoupage on their walls, but maybe they do. It's more like a crafty thing. So you mm. like cut out, you know, um, a flower and then you use like a paste and some like gold stuff and you put it on another thing so it's like collaging basically it's like fancy collaging Hmm. i love that in the span of four seconds we activated all of amphibian and uh reptile listenership and then craft listenership please i wait for the email of the crafty person who also is a reptile expert Tell me if you tell me if you tick both boxes. Come to us and let us know your presence. (laughs) Decoupage me a reptile. Okay. Anya is uh, wondering if she should go with uh, cocktail dresses or the traditional burlap and larva. Jenny, what are you doing? Jenny's face is horrified right now. What have you found in your Googling? Sorry, I was reading about alligator gar. Because I was like, wait, should I just check and see if alligators have gills? Because, like, what if they did? And I came across a whole thing about alligator gar having gills, but also they have a highly vascularized swim bladder lung that supplements gill respiration, only to find out that alligator gar is actually a, a type of fish, not a type of alligator. What the fuck? Is, or a stage wait, of life alligator, for an alligator gar? Like G A R? Yep. Is the name of a fish. That's right. Oh, my God. Here you thought we were going to be talking about Willow and Magic, but no, not here. Not here in this podcast. Uh, All right. Okay, sorry. I'm done. About gills. So traditional burlap and larva or cocktail dresses. Uh, Anya is The eternal question. So true. I mean, you know, uh, we've both had a wedding, and we know that these are the kinds of questions you really have to ask yourself. She also says to Xander, so glad that um, you should be, like, basically happy that I'm not making you do the traditional groom's rite of (laughs) self-flagellation. Nice. Oh, and then we we enter into, I mean, not that we're entering into this parallel for the first time, but the, Buffy is starting to go really hard on 
Willow is fine and Willow doesn't need a monitor. She's going through something, but we're not her. Maybe she has reasons. We all do stupid stuff. Yeah, it's all very complicated. I can relate. I mean, just in theory and from things I've read, not from actual in practiceness. please. Thank you. Right. Look away. Right. So Buffy's sort of icky, overwhelmed feelings uh, about her own actions and really her own trauma, right? Because all of this, this episode made me look at two things very distinctly. Because the the entire arc, to get meta for a second, the entire arc in this episode of Willow's trauma, Buffy's trauma, and how the lack of tools that they have to deal with those traumas are causing them to do things that are self-destructive is quite brilliant and quite spot on. But, and I'll get into this later in the episode, there are so many, Willow specifically, there are so many like really problematic um, tropes that are associated with Willow's journey that uh, are very upsetting, that I find to be very upsetting and unnecessary. Um, so I'm just going to put that down, but we can we can go through this scene. Buffy is not seeing what Willow is going through or needing because she is completely conflating it with her own situation. And they are not apples to apples. They're not apples. No apples here. I wish that there were some apples. <laughs> Xander makes a really important distinction before we leave the end of this scene um, because Buffy's basically like, don't judge. And he like very astutely is like, I'm not judging. I am just observing. You know, he says not judgy, just observey because he's Xander. But like making a really valid point like that he isn't judging. I mean, I don't know. I can't get inside Xander's head. But like the point is not that he is saying this is so bad that she's doing this. It's just that he's saying like this seems like it might not be good for her. Um, and I'm observing that and just sort of wondering like what we should do to help her, which is like really, mm-hmm. yes, that's where we should be. <sighs> yeah. I mean, when Xander's coming up from the back of the herd to uh, lead the pack in terms of emotional awareness, yeah, we're really in a place. Re- we are. That's <laughs> true. My, how he's grown. <laughs> Cut two. Two cool witches thinking about where should we go manifest some sheep tonight? But no, <laughs> Willow is like, I didn't have my power all day. And I'm, I feel like maybe we should just take it easy. And Amy says, I have a better idea. Mm-hmm. I know this guy and he knows spells that last for days. Amy, how do you know this guy? How? That's what I wrote. How? How do you know this guy? Let's just die. Let's just revisit the Moo episode. Yeah. Amy was hanging out with like the goth guy with the black lipstick and like maybe one other person and they were doing like protection spells or something. But like not not rack level stuff. No. At all. Yeah. I had the same question. Definitely some Amy rewrites happening. (laughs) Literally in my notes, I wrote down, quote, I know this guy, end quote, in parentheses. How? It's <laughs> like really how, uh, but yes. And then Willow says, "Is it dangerous?" And Amy says, "Would that stop you?" To which we know, we all know, Amy included, that the answer is no. It will not stop Willow. And we go to Rax. Rack is, as mentioned, played by Jeff Kober. This is the second time he's in the series. Love when a show loves an actor so much that they're like, "Yeah, it's fine." He played Kralik and Helpless, but like, he's great, and he is fucking great he is so un- great. 
believable. He was great as Kralik and he's amazing as Rack. Yeah, what a creep. Oh, so good. You know that those contact uh, experts were on set for Rack because he's got some like serious, like weird gray eyes. Got some wild shit going on. Yeah, 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 it's really, it's quite well done, I think. Um, Kristen, did you happen to notice the water cooler that appears to be full of blood in the waiting room? Why don't they have this in Angel Investigations? (laughs) Right? (laughs) This is really smart. But also, like, are vampires going to rack? Like, I don't really understand it, but I did write down blood water cooler. I guess it just depends what you're into. That's um, true. A- Amy's like, it's cloaked. Isn't that cool? It it moves around a lot, too. Helps keep rack out of trouble. Out of trouble from whom? <laughs> how do you know this guy? And how who's monitoring him? Who's trying to be the trouble in his life? Right? Joel Gray was just flicking his tail all about town. Nobody cared about the dark magic he was doing. So why does anybody Correct. care about rack? Anyway, yeah, Amy's like, can't you feel the doorway? And I think Willow is like, it's hot. And Amy turns around and Elizabeth Ann Allen's look as she disappears through the door. Yeah, what a great look. Oh my God, it's amazing. I mean, I would follow fucking Amy through that portal for that look. (laughs) Inconsistencies aside, I'm I'm pumped for us and for Elizabeth Ann Allen that she gets to play this completely different (laughs) character. Well, and that's part of the issue is like they're just for whatever reason. And we'll talk, you know, we're going to do a deeper dive episode. We were supposed to. We probably said this up in the intro, but we were our plan was initially to do our um, big conversation with Natalie, who you heard a couple episodes ago before we got to wrecked. But we need a little bit more time with it just to make sure that it is responsible in as many ways as it can be. But the the speed at which. Uh, W-H-I-C-H, not uh, <laughs> W-I-T-C-H. This happens, this journey happens for Willow, like Amy aside, like if even if we take Amy out of the uh, equation, it's just, it, it's very heavy handed and in a way that is um, irresponsible, I think, in mm-hmm. storytelling. Mm-hmm. So kind of clunky, kind of clunky. Oh, actually, this is perfect because this is the first note that I took about like, okay, so indulge me for a moment, Jenny, because I want to talk about some of the images that this episode gives us that are really fucked up and not because not they're fucked up because there's no like underbelly to them. We go into racks and the first thing that we see is people sitting on the couch. The 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 office, Rack's office is made to look like dirty and dingy for absolutely no believable reason. This is a magic portal. So like the idea yeah. we hear it later from Dawn that like the guy in the waiting room smelled bad. So like this dirt and uncleanliness is immediately attached to the people that are using magic from Rack. Um, there's like a, a girl in the corner who has like dark circles under her eyes. Willow, we see through this episode, having less and less clothing on her body. Um, but there's an exchange and we'll, we'll get to the actual thing, but I want to sort of like list these in a row. There's an exchange between Willow and Rack that seems very sexual in nature for the drug that is magic. Yeesh. And... There's an element of criminality completely inserted into this. To your point about why does Rack need to hide? No one else has needed to hide. So uh, these are like, 
it's not that it's not that we can't talk about like the ex- exchange of sex for drugs. It's not that we can't talk about um, criminality in the world of drugs and um, of like substance use and what have you. But these are just laid on there to use Martha Stewart. They are just decoupaged the fuck onto oh, this yeah. storyline. And it's oh, yeah. really, really irresponsible because this is not the whole this is not how you tell this story. Willow could be using magic in ways that are unhealthy for her without having to associate um, the use of drugs uh, with all of these tropes that are really not helpful to people who are misusing substances. That's it. My rant is over, okay? We can move along. <laughs> One way we know Rack is very powerful instantly is that he knows without being told that Amy was a rat. <laughs> He's just got a sense for these things. <laughs> it's that twitchy little nose, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He's like, I uh, dream of Genie? No. Rat. Former rat. <laughs> there are a lot of bad effects on this show. But I think uh when Rack like rubs his oh. hands together and they spark and stuff, like all the all the electricity magic business around Rack, I think looks very cool. It's fantastic. I took the same note because I fucking love the hand crackle. It's done beautifully. He's Really interested in Willow. He says power is coming off of her in waves. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, Sweet noticed it. Everybody's been noticing the... Now, if power's coming off of somebody in waves and you're intrigued, this guy read The Pickup Artist. Because <laughs> he's like, wow, you got all this power. Oh, Amy said? How did Amy say you can... Uh. He just starts, like, negging her immediately. Yeah, yeah uh and we're off to the races you got to give a little to get a little yeah and and this is in many ways and amy like doubles amy's uh, scripted line doubles down on this it's over fast um rack says i'm just gonna take a little tour um and then sort of like puts his hand on willow and we are to imagine is Doing all sorts of things, and it's upsetting. There's a lot of heavy breathing, panting. Yeah. And he says you taste like strawberries. He says we right. all hurl over the side of the boat. Yes. He says you taste like strawberries. Um, I would say maybe write this in your Shanshu prophecies. Hmm. Okay. Buckle up, Kristen. Okay. Buckle Click. up, because Click. <laughs> it's... It's... Well, it's not the 90s anymore, but it might as well be because we've got this, like, fucking music and the spin. (laughs) Amy is spinning. Willow's on the ceiling. We are in train spotting. Train spotting, colon, Sunnydale. Uh, Willow is, from her vantage point of being on the ceiling, she is, like, looking down and then starts kind of hallucinating greenery all over the... And then she sees a woman being dragged. Oh, that's uh, creepy. I will get... like That I, is creepy. That was pretty creepy. But then you know what's not creepy? <laughs> Tell me. Because you would think that this would be moving in a steady, you know, ascent to the creepiest thing of all. But instead, we get the creepiest thing of all, the woman's legs being dragged into the underbrush. And then we see yet another... <laughs> Yet another goofy ass Sunnydale demon, sort of like a like a balding werewolf kind of vibe. 
Uh, it is, it is where his movements are exact. It's whoever the actor was who was inside the werewolf costume is inside of this costume. There's there's something that's there are elements that have been added that we can talk about when we get to his final scene. But I can't wait to talk about it. I actually. can't wait either. I'm making a gift from that scene. What did I tell you his name was? Krizan? Krizow? <laughs> like Magaz. Matraz. <laughs> I can't find my Razzmatazz. Give him the old razzle dazzle. <laughs> <laughs> Razmataz is the name of that canonically we have uh named this monster Razmataz. What what is his actual name in the script? Mandraz. No. <laughs> Mandra. Okay, so Razmataz. Razmataz is on the scene and he like growls or opens his mouth or does something trying to look threatening and failing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, all I can think, I know this isn't the song, but the only thing I have in my head now is with my naked ass. Oh, yeah. There is like a certain um, luscious Jackson ness to this track. Uh, So Willow sees Razzmatazz and falls from the (sighs) ceiling. And there's this cut, there's this like cut between when we get to her waking up on the floor of her bedroom um, and after she's fallen where it's black eyes willow, like completely no, uh, what do you call it? No whites of the eye. It's just like all yeah. pupil. And she's standing in front of a few places. And I know that the last one is the magic box. Um, and then she's on she's the She's in the bronze and bronze. then in front of the magic box. Why? What is this? I know What's that, happening? that's why I was like, do I go back and like really look at where she was? Is there deeper meaning here? And I decided probably not. So I'm wondering I'm since she wakes up on the floor of her bedroom, if she kind of like blacked out and is having like flashes of places she wa- went to on her way home. Right. But, but are we to believe that she went to the bronze? I mean, or uh, not the bronze, but the magic box. You'd think people would be there who would have interacted with her as she went. There. But it was like. The nighttime. That's true. That's true. Maybe that's what we are to believe, that she sort of, like, went to these familiar places as she was, like, super fucked up on magic. Yeah, and when she wakes up on the floor, like, it's the morning. Yeah. This is, you know, in an episode that is full of, like, imagery that I think is tricky and not good, this, I think, is done really well. Um, We don't see, like, uh, there's not a lot of shower scenes in this show. Um, And so I think... Not nearly enough (laughs) for for my taste. (laughs) I think that it is really powerful to see Willow wake up on the floor and then to see her crying in the shower because this is the truth right like when when i'm saying like there's no fucking like underbelly it's the wrong thing i'm kristen so you know i say things like underbelly but i mean something else just go with me but when i say that there's not that like rootedness in you know a lot of the tropes associated with willow's arc at this point this does have that this does have an anchor we know that willow is traumatized we know that she is not okay so seeing her wake up after this trip to rax and get into the shower and sob like that is the root of her actions at this point and i just thought it was really powerful and i i f- felt for her and then you know i don't know jenny you can take us to what she does after she gets out of the shower well, it's the saddest thing that ever happens on the show, Kristen. She right? uses Chekhov's box of Tara's clothes coming into use. Uh, <laughs> she pulls out a top and a bottom and she magics air into them in the shape of Tara oh. so that the faux Tara can hold her 
and it's very sad. It's so sad. I tried to like, maybe there's something I can laugh at here. And you know what? The sad just really overrides everything I tried to make funny. It's There's nothing funny. It's devastating. And um, I think it's quite nice, though, that Tara, one of Tara's garments was velvety, you know, like it's like extra soft to cuddle on. Nice. Like you're surprised, please. <laughs> Don in the kitchen throwing insults at Cordelia Chase. Spatulas are for wimps. Well, listen, everything is relative. Right now, the spatula is relative to a pan. I'm sure if the spatula were relative to a vampire, Mm. Don would get on board. That's true. But I'm loving her chaotic kitchen energy, inventing food for babies, flipping things in a pan with her fingertips. I'm fucking all in. This is my favorite Dawn. This is Chef relatable Dawn is my content. Did this, like, this took me back to being in middle school and coming home and being like, I will cook myself. Do you know how many quesadillas I made for myself as a teen? A lot. I don't. A lot. Quesadilla is like quesadilla, grilled cheese, and ramen soup are like the first three things that you learn how to make if you're me anyway. <laughs> so uh, I thought this was very relatable. It reminded me of my own kitchen chaos past. Also, to my earlier point about loving Dawn and Dawn just, like, really starting to get some nuance, some more nuance to her character, (laughs) she says to Willow, well, you know, assuming would make you an ass out of me. (laughs) Nice. It's so good. So good. It's a mess. But uh, we learned that Buffy has called to check in on Dawn about 10 times today, which seems right. Mm Mm-hmm. And Willow and Dawn are going to go to the movies. Ah! Girl time. What do you think they're going to see? Well, I'll tell you, Jenny. Some of the top movies at this time, uh, Monsters, Inc. is on the list. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone had just come out. Um, yeah, so I'm going to say, I, I think that they would have gone to Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It seems really... Right? Aww. Jeepers Creepers had come out just a couple months prior. Uh, American Pie 2? Willow could go watch Willow. Well, I don't know if she was in the second one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And Jenny, guess what else came out in 2001? What? Legally Blonde. Oh, a movie I look forward to seeing so soon. Yes, Jenny. Uh, Jenny's... Participating in our new movie club uh, with Morgan Ludich from Angel on Top and watching Legally Blonde for the very first time. So that's exciting. Uh Anyway, moving Uh right along. They don't ever make it to the fucking movies, do they? They sure don't, Kristen. Uh, Dawn leaves a note on the fridge so that Buffy will know where she and Willow have gone because that is, quote, the first place (laughs) she goes after patrolling. Five by five, baby. Um, five what? <laughs> Buffy comes home and hears some crashing about upstairs, discovers Willow's room is torn apart, and it's Amy stealing sage? Yeah. I don't A very understand. readily available herb that you could just snag at the grocery store. Honestly, in Southern California, you might find some just growing on the on the street. I mean, well, this is the this is the thing, right? Like, they didn't have to insert this, like, criminality to the storyline. Amy could have just been at the house because that's where Amy's been. And Buffy could have had a conversation with Amy about where Willow is. Like, it didn't have to be that that Amy is, like, filling her pockets with Sage. 
I do like the joke of it's not what you think it is. It's Sage. Um, and Buffy being like, that's what I fucking thought it was. Because I feel like many of us in uh, this era were like, it's just Sage. I'm just burning Sage. Um, anyway, Amy tells Buffy she's as bad as I am. She is worse. She's at Rax. Uh, she says, don't. This is this also made me laugh. Don't shake me again, super strength. I think I'm going to boot. just good from elizabeth ann allen yeah this scene doesn't make any sense for all the reasons that we just said and i also just want to point out that it is so fucked up that amy is so let's say that this really was this really was the way it happened amy is in willow's room she's stealing things from willow's room she's saying i'm not okay and willow's also not okay And nobody, like, Buffy just leaves. It's, like, the fact that, like, no one is, like, that Buffy can't even get to a point where she can be, like, this person is also in need of some kind of help. Not that she has to, you know, I understand she needs to help Dawn and she needs to, like, uh, prioritize that. But she basically is, like, you're fucked up because you're here and you're stealing shit. Rather than, like, why are you here and what is happening, right? Which is just the Mm -hmm. fucking constant thing that is upsetting about this storyline. Anyway, outside. Yeah. <sighs> Could somebody take care of these teens and young adults, please? Please, please. Giles, the fuck? I'm just going to get mad at him every episode. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah, you're really feeling Giles' absence in this episode. Yeah, I mean, just any, the presence of, honestly, even, like... Any adult. Any adult, but, do. like, Xander seems to have the tools to understand... When somebody, at least at this point in his journey, when somebody is like asking or in need of help, um, but like everyone, so many of the characters in this show are so deep into their own trauma that they can't see the trauma of the others around them. Like they're just in it, fucking in it. Season six, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season six, colon, in it. Most of us work really hard to manage our time well enough to cook healthy meals, but life gets overwhelming. There are errands to run, vampires to slay, extraterrestrial beings to investigate. Luckily, there's Factor. Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals. They are fresh. They are never frozen. They are chef-crafted and dietitian approved And here's the best part. They're ready to go in just two minutes. Absolutely no cooking required. Having a selection of these meals in our fridge over the past few weeks has been a game changer. My wife and I are eating healthier and ordering takeout less, and this is not just about dinner. Factor offers over 35 different meal options to choose from each week with more than 60 add-ons. So there's breakfast, there's midday bites, and more. I have to admit, I was hesitant at first. I've never had a ready-to-eat meal that made me feel good, and I have been astounded at how delicious each meal and snack from Factor has tasted. The difference is entirely because they're not frozen. They taste as fresh as if you'd made them yourself. They're also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash buffering50 and use code buffering50 to get 50% off. That's code buffering 50 at factormeals.com slash buffering50 to get 50% off. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. 
But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Uh, Willow is sort of like, poking at getting information about Tara. Did you have fun with Tara? Where is she living? What is she doing? And then she is like, we just have to make one quick stop. It almost goes without saying that this is unbelievable. Like, this is not believable. And it's only because of the speed at which we get here. This is this is immediate that she it's is so fast. It's so fast. Um, but we'll put that to the side. They go to Rax. They really, I think that the writing in this episode does a good job of positioning Dawn um, as somebody who is, you know, she's just like really wanting to be with Willow. She's just wanting to have any sense of normalcy. And I think that just the simple line of Willow being like, it's okay, we'll only miss the trailers. And she goes into the, the room and Dawn is left alone in the lobby. And she's just like, I like the trailers. I just thought it like really did the work it was there to do, you know? Yeah. Also, I like the trailers too. <laughs> I know. I do too. I do too. I mean, I think that's like a common thing, right? People enjoy trailers. Yeah. This is where I agree with you. I wrote, I love Rack's hand crackle. Just a fantastic effect. Um, Willow, you know, loses time in, in Rack's and, sees the demon again, sees all razzmatazz again, and she screams, and Rack is, I think, notably taking enjoyment from her fear uh, and, and pain before she then comes out into the into the lobby again. Ooh, my next <laughs> note is Nakey Spike. <laughs> Dude apparently loves to sleep naked. Spike is literally naked for 80% of this episode. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I Dude, mean, being woken up by a huge pillar candle tossed onto your naked chest. Uh, <laughs> disruptive. Yeah. Spike looks good. Mmm. Ba-ba-ba. 
Mm. Mm. Spike looks good. He um, is basically like, Dawn's in trouble again. Must be Tuesday. Except his version of that is, can you get a LoJack for this girl? Which, for those of you who don't know what a LoJack is, uh, it's like a car car alarm and tracking system. Um, Mm. And I agree. You know, maybe this is just a difference between your generation and mine, Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) Because I recently was reading actually that the cutoff for Gen X is people who were born in 1980 and the beginning of millennials is people born in 1981. So it's really thrown into sharp relief our many generational differences. (laughs) 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 This vast chasm that spans between us. It's true. It's so hard to understand you sometimes. Formative for me. Formative. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So... Okay. (laughs) So uh, Spike knows Rack. Of course he does, right? Spike is Spike is useful. That's the thing. And he he calls that out later in his conversation with Buffy. Spike is important to their work. He knows immediately who Rack is, and he is able to help because he is a vampire, so he can feel this portal in a way that allegedly Buffy can't. Although aren't we led to believe that Buffy could at this point? Because she's not whatever. Well, we just know she came back a little different. We don't know how. Yeah. Uh, she also doesn't know what she's like looking for. She yeah. doesn't know she's like, like, it's not like Amy was like, feel around for a hot spot. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> True. Uh, Rack probably owes Spike some kittens. I'm, I'm guessing that's how they kind of have come up, uh, crossed paths. Definitely, definitely. Rack is part of Poker Sundays. Spike stands up, nakey. Totally naked. <laughs> Buffy averts her eyes. Yes, oh. and he, he says, hide your blushing eyes. Um, do you think that she hides her eyes because she is uh, showing him that she is disgusted? Or do you think that she is like literally hiding her eyes because she's like, oh, no, if I see naked Spike, I might have to kiss naked Spike again. <laughs> what do you think? Probably a little from column A, a yeah, little, little from column, column B. B. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, so it's fucking like eleven o'clock. They've missed the whole fucking the the Sorcerer's Stone. What's the movie? Harry Potter and the Rasmus Sorcerers. Yep, yep. Uh, they've missed the movie, and Willow is pretty fucked up. She's high as hell. Mm, yeah, she's like, we're gonna have fun, and then she's kind of shitty about it and uh, Dawn's hesitant and she's like, do you want to play with the grownups or not? Dude, oh. I love that the grown-ups, it, r- both Rack and Willow, the grown-ups, the self-proclaimed grown-ups are both like, me, 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 <laughs> each in turn. Yeah, Dawn's like, um, okay, guys. <laughs> yeah, cool, guys. I'm going to go home. Oh, speaking of grown-ups, we go to a conversation between Spike and Buffy in the alley, in an alley, one of the many... Buffy is like a lot of extra alleys. The the alley budget has skyrocketed in (laughs) this episode. (laughs) Last night was the most perverse and degrading experience of my life, she says. And Spike is like, hmm, yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's complicated. Uh, This is complicated. We're not going to fucking mess around and try to say that this is all one thing because it is not. It is confusing as fuck. And... Spike is like, well, you know that I'm in love with you. And then Buffy is like, yeah, well, whatever this is, like, it's not love. And Spike says, not yet, but I'm in your system now. 
You invited me in already. Yeah. So this is this is now in yuck squared territory. Um, Unsubscribe. Right. Um, The implication that because you were invited in once, you can then uh, enter at any time. The vampire lore, once applied here to this story, is especially fucked Mm. up, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, ew. Is this a great time to play the patriarchy jingle? This will do. The patriarchy! (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, here we go, sliding down the back half of this episode (laughs) into a pit of despair. Yeah. Uh, ugh. Dawn wants to go home and Willow's like, maybe I can just pop you back. Willow. Willow. No. Then Dawn's like, I feel like something's in the alley. And Razmataz is like, slam. <laughs> yeah, he's all like, you summon me, witch. <laughs> and Willow's like, no, no, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't summon you. Dawn's like, you raise hell with your magics. <laughs> And he does this like very avian head wiggle, Yo, like side to side thing. The head wiggle, like after the car crash, is I'm making a gif of it. It is the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. His head is like a full on a full like swivel. It's like on a lazy Susan. It's like it, it's unbelievable. So yeah, yeah. it's wild. <laughs> Don lands a fantastic kick. Fantastic kick from Don. Yeah, great kick. Willow's like. We're we're not quick enough. Uh, doors open, doors close. Drive car, and I'm like, wow, this is how we do magic. I could probably do this. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this open. is going really well if in a practical sense until immediately after successfully uh, stealing this car, Willow gets way too cocky and then crashes it. Yeah, Willow. It's just this is. I'm sorry. I I mean, I love Marty Noxon, but there's just so much sloppiness in this story because why did willow have to be on a joyride to crash this car right like she could have been honestly in this car trying to escape from this demon and crashed the car because she was really fucked up i don't like the addition that she also like as she's trying to like save dawn's life is like oh let's fucking take this car for a fucking crazy spin it again attaches this element to Willow's storyline that I think is is not necessary and it's not fleshed out. So anyway, regardless of that, the car crashes and <laughs> Dawn gets out of the car. Her arm is already hurt, though it will get hurt more in this scene that's about to happen. Her instinct this is like the outdoor equivalent of running upstairs. Literally. In a horror movie. Literally. She's I'm like, just going to get under the car. <laughs> crawl under the car. That is a bad idea, my friend. Uh, luckily, it never happens because Buffy and Spike hear her scream. This is where the Hey, she does throw sh- dirt in Razmataz's eyes, oh. which is a very choice move. She's a scrappy fighter, man. Don yep. can fucking Don can fight. Uh and I and I love it. Um also Buffy does a flying kick. This is some wire shit. This is like some wire fighting yeah. that we're seeing. Hell yeah. She launches through the air, kicks Rasmataz in the face. 
Um, but but Rasmataz is getting the best of her. Rasmataz is strong, but Willow disintegrates him. This is funny because in the framing that you see on Hulu, Willow is in the frame for longer than she would be. Oh. Uh, she she comes into the frame sooner than she would have been in the aspect ratio ratio of original broadcast. So you see Willow, like you see the demon burn up, then you see Willow off to the side doing nothing, waiting for herself to come into frame and then they add <laughs> the hand the hand electricity effect so uh, it's like i was like wait did willow kill this guy or did he just like burn up from like the spell running its course or something and then i was like oh no 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 they just they didn't <laughs> they didn't add it until they had to but now she's just like hanging out at the side oh, of the frame it's funny. pretty funny that's funny i didn't even notice so the demon is gone and Dawn is really fucked up. She's really, really hurt. Her arm is really hurt. She's bleeding. The seriousness of... Rasmataz punched her like 20 feet across the friggin' land. Yeah. And um, Willow is, of course, distraught, devastated, uh, just full of all of the emotions that one would be feeling in this situation. And... She's saying, is she okay? Is she okay? Spike and Buffy pick Dawn up. They're sort of like walking her out to get medical care. And Willow goes over to Dawn to apologize. And Dawn slaps Willow across the face. <whistles> yup. Exactly. It's my sentiments exactly. Yikes. Um, Dawn is, I mean, understandably, Dawn almost fucking died. Mm-hmm. So, like, the anger that people are feeling in this scene, I think, makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I read that Michelle Trachtenberg really struggled with slapping Allison Hannigan and, like, apologized profusely after the filming of this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Which I loved. Um, and... I also like this. So at first it is that they are leaving Willow. Um, but Willow is on on the ground um, and she's sobbing. And so you see Spike and Dawn and Buffy pause. You see Spike and Buffy exchange a few words. And it becomes clear that Spike is taking Dawn to the hospital so that Buffy can stay back with Willow. So I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really important. And I guess a piece of this that I wish was more present in the whole in the whole story in the whole episode. Um, but Buffy says to Willow, "Get up," and Willow says, "I can't stop, Buffy. I've tried and I can't. You can. I can't. I can't. I just, God, I need help. Please, please help me. Please, please, please." And then Willow hugs Buffy, and Buffy stands there for a second, and then she eventually hugs Willow back, staring over Willow's shoulder into the middle distance, envisioning a future where she doesn't bone Spike again. Mm-hmm. They stop at the store on the way home, I think, to buy 400,000 pounds of garlic. So many garlic braids. Literally more garlic. You've never seen so many garlic braids. Literally never. Like, did she she get this from, like, her time with Dracula? Like, this is, like, some Mm -hmm. Dracula-level garlic braids. Mm -hmm. We cut to Willow, like, wrapped in a blanket, which I think is really, like, I'm just thinking about this for the first time. But I feel like even that imagery is really, that's really symbolic, right? Like, 
Buffy has, even though she's Buffy's certainly not doing it perfectly and is not doing it well, like the choice has been made to take care of Willow, to wrap Willow up in a blanket, to acknowledge that there is trauma happening here. Um, there is no support system. So Willow is left in bed to move through withdrawal, um, like without any supports, which is, of course, not OK. Um Buffy winds up in her room also sort of alone and just with all this garlic around her holding a crucifix in an attempt to really keep herself from Spike more than keep Spike from her at this point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do, do you want to journey to the land of sexual tension right now? Because I don't know what to do there, but we're almost to the end of the episode. There's just a few things left to be said. Wow. Yeah, let's give it a try. How fun. Can't wait for this jaunty jingle to play. Well, welcome back to another thrilling edition <laughs> of the Sexual Tension Awards. Unfortunately, there is no sexual tension in this episode. None. That we care to acknowledge. But um, we are creative people. Yeah. We're looking at, you know, name a more iconic duo. That's the yeah. theme of, of this edition of the Sexual Tension Awards. <laughs> Therefore, uh, we offer up unto you the following slots and their respective noms. In slot number one, it's Anya and Bridal Magazines. She loves ah, them. Beautiful. They're unstoppable. Mm -hmm. uh, in the second slot, your noms are Buffy and 10,000 garlic braids when all you need is a knife. There it is. In slot three, why? She's unstoppable. She has an indomitable spirit and invincible fingertips. It's Dawn and barehanding an in-progress quesadilla. <laughs> Witness the power. <laughs> Behold the spectacle. And in slot number four, it's everyone's favorite magical drug-induced demon Razmataz and his unquenchable thirst for the drama. <laughs> also, Jenny, don't you think it should be, it's like 10,000 garlic braids when all you need is a steak. Oh, I thought you were going to say, when all you need is a spike. Oh. <laughs> I guess uh, both. Flavor both. to taste. Both slash and. Well, that's our sexual tension award. Spread a strange buffet, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, but please cast your vote via our Twitter poll. You can find it over at Buffering Cast. Tell us what you think. Tell yeah. us. Name the most iconic duo. Most iconic duo here. G good luck to all of us. All right, so the scene before we see Willow in bed and Buffy surrounded by garlic braids um, is probably worth at least a small discussion um, because we get more of this parallel, right? Buffy asking Willow, why would you go to see somebody like Rack? Why would you put Dawn in danger? Um, really asking herself why she would go sleep with somebody like Spike and why she would also put Dawn in danger. Right. I think it's important here that we see 
Willow acknowledging mm-hmm. further, like, what the deal is, like, saying it out loud to Buffy. Yes. You know, I thought I had it under control. Yes. Uh, you know, it's why Tara left. Yes. All of all of this stuff kind of making it real. Yeah. Like, Buffy is like, is this it. because of Tara? And she says, no, this, this was before Tara, and this is why Tara left, which I agree is really, really important. Really important for Willow and just really important to the whole story. Uh, and we also get like a bit of Willow's internal monologue past just the trauma of everything that has happened over the last year, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but also this like idea that I was just plain Willow. She says, I was just some girl, which really hearkened back to Oz and Willow in the beginning. Like, who is that girl? You know, like I, I, I was just... Mm -hmm. Some girl, and now, now that I have magic, I'm special. You know, I mean, she doesn't say those words, but essentially that's the message that she says to Buffy, like, if you if you could choose plain Willow or Super Willow, wouldn't you choose Super Willow? And sort of has, like, a moment of self-reflection of, like, oh, I guess you don't actually get to choose. Like, you just always have to be Super Buffy. But mm-hmm. Buffy's trying to tell Willow, like, this is not the case. Tara loves you. She loves you for you. She wanted you to stop. Um, it's not she doesn't love you because of the magic she doesn't love you because of this power Um, and and another line that Willow has that I think is really important is when she says to Buffy it took me away from myself and I was free because uh, that's again that's just that's really the truth of this this is allowing uh, Willow to escape from the feelings that she cannot hold she cannot bear to face she cannot bear to feel um, and although I think there's a lot of issues in this parallel with Buffy, this is also what's happening with Buffy and Spike is that, um, Buffy just can't like, like they just can't navigate the trauma. And when you're in, a, I, I mean, I know I've been in a place of not being able to navigate trauma and, and making decisions based on just the need to feel something and not that thing. And that's real. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh Yeah. Yeah. No more spells. It's over. It's over. Buffy's like, good. I think it's right to give it up, no matter how good it feels. The magic, I mean. (laughs) And you, not me. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm glad that they resolved all of that so that we can move along into new things this season. Does anyone know what the stinky yak cheese in her bra is for? Is that a reference to something? Do write in if you know. I don't know. I'm just shaking my head at Jenny like, I got, I have nothing. I thought that Anya was the one with stinky cheeses, but I guess uh, Willow also partakes. Well, uh, I do want to just note at the end of this episode, we see um, a memoriam for J.D. Peralta, which I looked up. And so he just thought it would be, um, I don't know, nice to note that this uh, this person, J.D. Peralta, was Marty uh, Noxon's assistant, um, and she passed away of cancer uh, just two weeks before oh. this episode aired. I know it's it's very sad, and I almost was like, well, maybe this episode is, like, really heavy, but I just thought, you know, it was important that the show, like, paid tribute to her uh, and that in our discussion we could as well. So, yeah, this has been an episode. I just want to say... That I just want to remind everyone that we are like here for conversation, that we are doing our best to explore themes, 
that we don't have a ton of familiarity with. Uh, and we're doing the research as best we can, but we're going to miss things. We're going to say things that probably aren't uh, perfect. And mm -hmm. the whole point of this is that it's ongoing. It's not like this is the episode on this and done. So do mm -hmm. write into us. Uh, we are working on this deeper dive episode to talk about Willow and, and the um, plot line of uh, sort of the like arc of her misuse of magic that will have spoilers and we'll go deeper in, but it's, it's tricky and there, and it's one of many, many things in this season. So buffering the vampire slayer at gmail.com write to us. I do my best to get to all the emails. I will say that it has gotten to a point where I no longer can confidently say I read every email because I try, but there's a lot. But I, I really, really go out of my way to read the emails that are part of these conversations to make sure that we are doing so responsibly. So please do write in um, and let us know what you think, what you want us to talk about, things that we didn't say that we should have, things that we did say that we shouldn't have. We're here. We are. Well, I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. Hell yeah. And when I'm not making this podcast, I am often writing songs and recording them. You can learn more about me at Jenny Owen Young's. You can listen to my new EP, Echo Mountain. You can check out my new band, LAX's debut single, Temporary Goodbye, on all streaming platforms. You can give me a shout on Twitter and keep up to date on new releases at Jenny Owen Young's. That's me. Temp, 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 temporary. That's how it goes. I got it this time. I just hadn't really heard it enough times last time to nail it. Mm -hmm. I just wanted you to know that I can keep a tune. So, <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> I know. My name is Kristen Russo. You can learn about the work that I do with LGBTQ communities uh, over at my website, kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. I am booking digital events at workplaces and at schools uh, for the end of this year and the beginning of next. You can find ways to contact me about that on my website. And um, I also started a little queer, a little queer book club just a couple days ago, Jenny. Ah, Yeah, on my Patreon. And you can find all that out on my website, kristinoline.com. We're reading uh, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe, uh, a book that I have wanted to read for a very long time. So you can find out all about that on my hmm. website. You can use that spelling of my name to find me on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, and hey, what about us? What about Buffering well. the Vampire Slayer? Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. And you can email us at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. You can support the work that we do here on our Patreon. Find that at BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com. Just click on Patreon. We have so much going on. Jenny's about to do a concert over there. We just started a movie watch club where Jenny's going to watch Legally Blonde for the first time. I run a book club. We're reading Elatsaway as our next book for April. I mean, there's just truly it is a, it, a moving and a shaking, just like Razmataz's little head. Uh, so go on over, support us if you can. And a reminder that our Black and Indigenous listenership gets all of the digital perks on our Patreon for free. You can learn about that 
at bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash just keep fighting. Also, hey, crop tops uh, and tank tops are back in stock. Big fucking Woo. nerds. I say this, but they were back in stock uh, when we taped this. So who knows? Maybe you snatched them all up already, but they should be in the store. <laughs> um, you can click on shop to find out all that good stuff. Hooray! Hooray! And till next time. Ah, uh, woo! All right. saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging to mental health, to courage, and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real. 
it's intimate and it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Repin strips it all down. No filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Repin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Repin wherever you get your podcasts.